Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Hello, welcome back to the Supernatural Cast. I'm Jimmy and Georgia, your host, as usual, and we're back to discuss Supernatural once again as we move towards the new year. I hope all of you out there had a great Christmas or Hanukkah, or Kwanzaa, or Festivus for the rest of us this year, and it definitely was good for us. We got to go travel to Texas to see my wife's family. It was a good time, but it wasn't a long, long drive, as you can imagine, and so had a good time, but definitely was tiring. I'm sorry I haven't had the time the last few weeks with Christmas and busyness with work and family and just life in general. I was hoping to have this out a couple weeks ago. I'd originally started recording this episode back around the middle of the month, but, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. I just want to thank all of you once again for checking out our show, these first eight episodes as we move forward with the Supernatural cast. And today we're here to discuss the episode Bugs, which is episode eight of season one. I don't know, there wasn't any really big-named guest stars in this particular episode nothing too dramatic i want to talk about i guess prior to getting into the episode only thing i will say i guess it did remind me of an early episode of smallville where there was the bug boy who basically got powers from bugs and kryptonite however smallville works you know how smallville is you throw in kryptonite with anything and it can happen it also reminded me of poltergeist which i know is an influence on the show supernatural being that it is a housing development that is spoiler alert haunted by the fact that it's being built on ancient Indian land and not necessarily a burial ground in this case we do learn exactly what the land was it was a village where the cavalry basically killed everyone and a curse was placed on the ground and on the white men who might try to live there one day a little different but still same kind of concept which definitely reminded me of poltergeist so I guess it's time for us to go on over into our supernatural recap Supernatural Recap. Alright, episode number 8 for Bugs. And apparently, from what I understand, this is one of those episodes a lot of people, I guess, don't care for as much as some of the others. But, I don't know, I didn't think it was that bad. From the DVD menu, we do have the five titles for the different sections. And we'll go ahead and read those off here to begin with and get into our recap. We have one number one is Sinkhole. Number two, Young Entomologist. Number three, Native American Bones. Number four, Swarms. Number five, Exterminator. Alright. We are in Oasis Plains, Oklahoma, in a housing development, and we have a couple of gas and power workers. One notices something strange and falls into a hole and breaks his ankle. His co-worker goes for help, and then suddenly hundreds of beetles are crawling all over this guy, and he is killed. Sam is seeing a newspaper article about this local death and this medical mystery, and basically the newspaper says this worker died from mad cow disease. Dean has been earning money via hustling pool. They were raised to run credit card scams and hustle. They go over to Oklahoma Gas and Power and talk with a guy named Travis. They pose as Dusty's neighbors. I'm trying to find out what happened. Travis was Dusty's partner there that tried to help him in the beginning of the episode, by the way. We ask questions like if he's showing any signs or any deterioration type stuff. 
Travis didn't notice anything wrong, but he did tell them where it all happened, Oasis Plains Estates. They find a hole marked with caution tape Dean offers to go down, and apparently it was just deployed to make Sam go down the hole. Sam finds some beetles down there in the hole. There are tunnels, but no tracks, and Sam quickly theorizes the culprits were the beetles. Dean doesn't buy that. Sam wants to do some more research. Dean stops at a real estate party offering him free barbecue. Dean here says that a normal family would want to make him kill himself. Larry, the developer, thinks that they are a couple and says they accept all manner of lifestyles and such there. 18 months ago, that place was nothing but scrub brush and squirrels, and now the house he lives in is the first in the neighborhood to actually have residents. We meet his wife, Joni, and then also Linda Bloom, the head of sales, who was the second to move in. And she, too, thinks that Dean and Sam are a couple, and Dean plays along. Larry's son is into insects and seems to be pretty inquisitive. He has a tarantula on the table going after Linda. And we see that Larry's son, Matthew, is treated kind of poorly by his dad, just in general, it seems. And Sam kind of shares with him that he was yelled at for wanting to play soccer instead of learning to bow hunt. Dean bought into the Winchester way of life, but Sam obviously didn't to some degree since he ran away to college. And then we did also learn here from the young lad that another worker died from bee stings about one year ago. Which makes more sense there at the end once we learn more about what's going on. Linda, the sales manager, returns home and sees a local news that there is widespread insect spraying in their area. And there have been several cases of West Nile virus as the mosquito population has increased. Just then we see a spider crawl on her face. She brushes it away, takes a shower, and then poorly CGI'd spiders come out of the faucets. And she falls through the glass door and her bloody body, which really seems a little too far away from the shower... Dean is in the steam shower. He thinks it's awesome. Sam and Dean are heading out of the neighborhood, I guess. They see this crime scene. They stop and talk with Larry about Linda's death. And they want to go check out the bug problem. Dean finds several spiders on the towel on the floor. They're still suspecting Matt, a.k.a. Spider Boy. They notice that he leaves the school bus but doesn't go towards his home. But instead goes out into the woods. He's out collecting bugs. He asks them if they're serial killers, which was pretty funny. And Matt does say that he's noticed something is happening with the insects. And again, we kind of see that connection between Sam and the boy, the freak son of a disappointed father, if you will. Matt leads them to a large insect population that's been tracking for science class that appears to be just congregating. There's a mound covered in worms, and Dean pokes around and finds a human skull. They go to a nearby college, do some research... The professor there says that these are 170-year-old Native American bones. And the historical record doesn't provide much information, but there is a Yuchi tribe nearby, nearby about 60 miles away. So they go over to the tribal leaders for help. Joe Whitetree is playing solitaire, by the way. He knows they're not students. He knows they're in line. He likes Sam and tells him the story that his grandfather told him. 200 years ago, their ancestors lived there, but the cavalry came to relocate them, and the cavalry raided their village, raped and murdered for six nights straight, and finally, on the last morning, all the people um, in the village were basically dead. The chief put on a curse on the ground against the white man. Six days, and on the night of the sixth day, none would survive. The gas man died on March 20th. The spring equinox, Larry's family will be dead if they don't leave before the night is over. Dean said, you don't break curses, you get out of their way. 
Matthew is in his backyard, notices a whole field with beetles is coming coming out of the ground. Dean says he's Travis and a gas line has broke, but Larry doesn't buy it because he knows Travis. Sam called Matt, tells him to get him out of there. Dean tries to get Matt to tell his dad a lie about his appendix, but that doesn't happen. He actually tells him the truth, and that definitely doesn't work. They get to the house. The family's still there. Larry doesn't think anything weird is going on. They try to tell him about the curse and the swarm that's on its way. Finally, they somehow are able to get in the house and make a stand. The phone lines are down. The cell phones don't work. The house is being covered in bugs. And as the bugs start coming in, Dean's a can of bug spray and a lighter as a flamethrower kills a few of them. The family and the Winchesters eventually make their way up into the attic. Termites are actually eating the way through the wood. A section of the roof falls in. Sam and Dean try to continue the fight against the CGI bugs. Um, and it looks like it's pretty much their worst. The bugs pretty much fly away. It's six or seven hours have passed very quickly. And it's now um, daylight and the encounter is over. The family is back together. Matthew is done with bug collecting. And Sam and Dean go on their next mission. And that pretty much is going to wrap up our recap of bugs for this episode. And we're going to get into our Supernatural 5. Supernatural 5. We'll count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode. All right, the top five moments of the episode... Number five, I'm going to kind of stick with the tradition I started, I guess, last week or two. I think definitely the, the kind of the pivotal point of this whole thing that started the whole shebang was, number five, the cavalry mistreated the natives in this area, leading to a curse, which led to the dangers in this episode. We learned that 200 years ago, the cavalry was trying to relocate the, the tribe, raped and murdered the, pretty much the whole village that was located in the area, and that there was a Native American curse on the land which is causing these deaths. And one thing I do want to mention here is that we learned a gal was killed by bees a year before. But up, up until recently, this whole area was nothing but scrub brush and squirrels. So there really haven't been people out there, haven't been white men, so to speak, in this area. And so I guess the guy that got killed by the bees just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time a year ago during the same time frame and was killed. And so that's it's kind of interesting. And then we do see this is a curse, and we're going to talk more about that in our folklore mythology section. All right, and that's going to be number five on my list. Number four, I mean, we kind of touch on these things here and there with, with the Winchesters. They kind of definitely reiterated here in this episode that John Winchester definitely raised his boys in a strange manner, and that definitely caused problems with Sam, uh, just the fact that they you know, were on the run. They didn't really have a home. They were learning to bow hunt and hustle and steal and, you know, do whatever they needed to do to survive and learning about these evil forces that are out there versus having the regular childhood. And uh, that still affects Sam as we see as his seems to be his main focus for a long portion of the show is he just wants to be normal because he's never felt normal because he never has been. And I do think that's an in, important part of this episode. Is it definitely is brought up again and again that Sam feels a connection with Matt because of the way his father treats him. So that's going to be my number four point for this week. And we're going to move on over to number three. And that's going to be the gas worker's death early on in the episode, um, which definitely sparked the interest of Sam in this case, which brought them to Oasis Estates. So... 
Um, we do have the Daniel Faraday lookalike uh, partner um, of the guy. His name's Travis, and then his buddy falls into the hole, and uh, the beetles come and eat his brains, basically, we learn, which is pretty crazy. And then we definitely have the bugs, and we'll just go and switch into number two. For whatever reason, the curse uses nature, specifically bugs, to enforce its will. The um, Native American curse, however it works, has brought forth the anger of the spirits and manifested those in these bugs, which is interesting. I mean, that's definitely something you see in other ways and other things. We'll talk about that in our folklore mythology section a little bit later on. All right. Well, that was number three and two. And then we're going to go on over into our last point, that being of Sam and Dean save the day and get back on their other road trip trying to find their dad. We definitely haven't lost sight of that, I don't think, yet in this point of the show, that they are still looking for their dad, even though there's you know lots of kind of bitterness with Sam from the way he was raised and the things that he went through. But we, we definitely see that he definitely has some daddy issues, and, and definitely Dean has issues as well, but it's a different, a little bit different, because as we've seen in this episode, we just got the idea that Sam did not go along with this lifestyle. I mean, he did to some degree, obviously, but he did not um, buy into it like, like Dean did. All right, I guess we're going to move on into our next part of the show. It's time for the Supernatural Travelogue. And sadly, that is pretty much where our recording stopped there last month as we were preparing to do this episode. And now it is already the 9th of January, 2012. Welcome to the the new year of the new year of Supernatural Cast. I am sorry it's taking so long to get this episode out, but hey, we're back recording today and we're going to pick up where we left off, and that is, my friends, the Supernatural Travelogue. And as you may well know, Oasis Plains, Oklahoma is a fictional location yet again. However, there is a place nearby Oasis Plains called Scapula, Oklahoma. And I don't know if, I don't remember if they actually said that name specifically in the episode. I remember them saying that the Yuchi tribe is around 60 miles away. And if you go and research a little bit about the Yuchi tribe, you can find out they are in, it's at Sapula, Oklahoma. And uh, it is a small little town, uh, under 20,000 population as the last census goes. And so these particular natives were originally from the south, from my area, Tennessee Valley region. They moved down to Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina. Some of the um, members of the tribe actually became kind of part of the Seminole tribe. And then years later, um, during the apparently around 1830s or so, um, most of the remaining tribe were moved to the Indian Territory, which I guess was out in Oklahoma at that time since that was kind of outside of the borders of the actual U.S. technically at that point. And most of the tribe does now live in northeastern Oklahoma. And so I did think that was interesting. There was some historical accuracy to the story. There were some historical you know, things going on there as far as the tribe, as far as the area, but definitely not Oasis Plains. But the Yuji tribe is a real tribe of Native Americans, and they are there in Sapula, I believe, Oklahoma. All right, well, that's going to be my Supernatural travelogue, and we're going to move on over into my next segment of the show, and that's going to be Supernatural and Pop Culture. Supernatural and Pop Culture. All right, well, the first thing that comes to my mind at the beginning of this episode are the Beatles. Uh, when the guy falls down the hole and is killed by the Beatles, that really reminded me 
probably more so the Mummy, the original Mummy. Well, I'll say the original, the the remake of the Mummy with Brendan Fraser back from I believe it was '99. Um, the scarabs come out of the ground and eat several people. Uh, most notably, I think would probably be the first guy who was the prison guard or the prison warden or whatever that actually let O'Connell go on the little journey. And he has the scarabs. He pulls off the wall. They wake up or whatever, come out of their shells and go into his brain and under his skin and stuff. So it was pretty gross, but that kind of reminded me of that. And then also a little bit of the little creature bug thing that was in the Wrath of Khan that Khan gave to a couple of the officers from the Enterprise. I know Chekhov, I believe, is one of them, and I think he killed the other guy. But, yeah, it reminded me of that. One thing, too, in this segment of the show, we talked. they talked about the uh, the mad cow disease might have been a culprit as far as this guy's death. And I guess that was kind of at the time, around the mid... I mean, what do you call that first part of the century? The mid-2000s? The mid... I don't know. Around the middle of last decade. <laughs> that was kind of a... That's kind of a popular subject. Just like every few years, it seems like there's some sort of disease that comes up that um, is a big scare. The media hypes it up, and then usually not much happens, at least up to this point, thankfully. Uh, whether it be SARS or bird flu or mad cow disease, H1N1, spine flu, whatever you want to call it. At that point in time, probably when this episode of the show was made, mad cow disease was, was probably you know, kind of the, the cool thing to talk about. Basically started over in the UK, from what I remember, and uh, it's really pretty bad stuff. Basically, it sounds like that cows get it if they are fed parts of other cows, which would include like their brain and spinal cord. And um, and if we eat meat, as far as humans, if we eat meat that is infected, we can be infected too, um, which would be bad. I don't know. It seems like I guess most of the time they've been able to catch catch this when it's happened and have pretty much slaughtered the animals that were involved. But anyway, I just thought that was one of those things they mentioned um, we should bring up. Another thing they mentioned is, are the bugs, could they be controlled like Willard? And me, personally, I'd heard of Willard and uh, the rat named Ben. But I had not actually seen these movies. There was a 1971 movie. And I think Michael Jackson sang a song with that from that movie, if I'm not mistaken, about the rat Ben. I may be wrong. And then in 2003, there was a remake. And basically, there's this weird kid, boy, whatever. He lives with his mom. And he can communicate with rats. And he's able to teach them things. He's able to command them. And uh, spoiler alert here, um, just like in most horror movies, things usually don't end very well. Lots of bad things happen. The rats eventually turn on him and end up eating him. And so <laughs> Willard, up to a point, could control the rat population in his little town. And then we have another reference to Timmy or Lassie. And uh, probably most of us are familiar with Lassie, the old it's actually movie series and television series. Uh, I think it's probably been revived a few times here and there. Basically... The gist of the story is there's a little boy named Timmy. He has a dog named Lassie who's a collie who's very smart and always helps him save the day. If something goes wrong, he can or she um, can help him out. And that's pretty much what happens in all the different renditions of that particular little story. All right. Well, yet another thing that kind of reminded me of something. It wasn't probably a direct reference, but you never know. Linda, the um, sales manager, goes home. And she hears something about the West Nile virus on the TV, which is another one of those kind of popular things that kind of come and go as far as pop culture goes. But anyway, she is seen in a spider crawls on her face. And then the next week we know as she gets in the shower, poorly CGI'd spiders come out of everywhere and kill her. And that 
again, probably not a direct reference necessarily, but it definitely reminded me of the movie Arachnophobia, which was kind of a comedy horror movie. It had Jeff Daniels and John Goodman. And uh, I really enjoyed that one back in the day. Like, I was like a young kid still when that came out. I was probably like 12. And I liked it. I thought it was fun. And um, so if you haven't seen Arachnophobia, it's kind of a an interesting story. There's this new species of spider that's brought back from South America who breeds with, like, regular spiders in this small town in California, I believe it is. And they spread and take over the town, pretty much. <laughs> it's very interesting. All right. Well, good old... Sam talks about how their dad was disappointed in him, and Dean kind of mentions how that's kind of like the blonde girl in the monsters. <laughs> and again, the monsters, something you probably are aware of, is back in the 60s, it was uh, pretty much Frankenstein, the bride of Frankenstein, a wolf man, a vampire, who was grandpa, and just a normal American girl living together. Um, it was a comedy back in the day, kind of like um, Adam's Family, I guess, if you think about it in that way. But it was um, back mostly in the 60s, and they re renewed it, or whatever you want to call it, re remade it back in the 80s. I remember watching that series. I have heard here recently that someone is actually working on like another reboot, um, I guess, of a more modern version of the monsters. Which, honestly, that kind of stuff I just don't see working anymore. Side note here, stuff like the Three Stooges movie. Like, the Three Stooges were interesting and, and kind of funny in their own way at their own time. And then going back and trying to recreate that here in 2012, I just don't see that being a popular thing. You know, people may love that new movie that's coming out. I'm just like, wow, that seems kind of dumb. But anyway, we'll move on from there. A couple other small things I just want to mention real quick was John or Joe Whitetree. He was a tribal elder of the Uchi tribe. He was playing solitaire when the boys uh, met up with him. Thought that was interesting. He had a you know computer was playing solitaire, and then two kind of at the end of the uh, bugs in the house reminded me of this was a little more uh, damaging stuff. They were definitely breaking into the house and whatnot, but it did remind me a little bit of Amityville Horror in that there were flies. I believe in Amityville Horror as the horror things was going on the the haunting the the possession whatever it was was going on in that particular movie and i know the guys talk about amityville horror at some point in one of the episodes or a mention it i do believe and i definitely have some interesting things to share about that case i don't really i don't remember where i watched this but i'm just going to share you with this real briefly side sidebar here i like the shows that are like solving history with ollie steeds or destination truth with joshua gates and there's one other one that I really like. It's from National Geographic. It's called Is It Real? And basically this particular show, they have different phenomenon of, of various sorts. And they present kind of both sides of the story. And they have skeptics and believers show their you know knowledge about crop circles or ghosts or whatever it is. And just basically, you know, depending on the subject matter... Um, usually they have some sort of scientific evidence or some reasonable explanation of whatever it was, whether it be something like spontaneous human combustion, whatever, you know, weird things that are out there that are kind of urban legend type things almost. It kind of goes along with supernatural type stuff. And I don't know if it was on, if it was on any of those shows or something totally different, but I did see an interesting little documentary type thing about the Amityville horror story and... Basically, it sounds like a lawyer created all the, the hype around that in order to get his uh, defendant off, 
like the guy that killed his family that's a true story that's really the only part according to what you know they've talked about was the true part of the story and this the family that's based the movies are based on were actually the people the lawyer pretty much was friends with and kind of hired to to expound upon this idea of a haunted house to help his client get off from murder charges having a you know, reasonable doubt in the minds of the jurors and is on top of that obviously making lots of money off of book and tv rights um, which they definitely have over the years and so <laughs> i just think that's strange and I, that seems very reasonable to me personally as an explanation to something like that but anyway that's just totally random not sure exactly why I brought that up other than the fact it reminded me of the, the flies in the original AMD horror movie. Haven't seen the remake with Ryan Reynolds, but anyway, we'll move on out of pop culture and uh, move over into our folklore and mythology section. This week in folklore and mythology. All right. Well, our main focus, I guess, for this week was really a curse. It was a Native American curse placed on the white men uh, after the carnage that was unleashed upon a village there the Yuchi tribe suffered in Oklahoma. And basically, it was going to be a situation where if white people tried to live there in that land, they were going to be killed, um, more or less. That was how it worked. But the idea in general of a curse basically is that something bad's going to happen to you because of a person or a place or an object or something they've done, a, a prayer, a spell, whether it be some sort of magic or a spirit, something's going to inflict harm upon you or make bad things happen to you as a result of this other person that's outside force. And and that's kind of the idea of you know, something supernatural happening because of someone's will for it to happen. And Dean in the episode says that you can't break a curse, you just have to get out of the way. And the idea of a curse isn't new. I mean, you've seen it in movies and things for years and years. Uh, one of the things that comes to my mind when I think about curses is, as an Angel and Buffy fan, Angel was cursed with his soul as a, it was a gypsy curse. There's all sorts of other curses throughout the years in movies, and and I'm sure in real life as well. I'm not putting those. I say that people don't believe in those things as well. But, yeah, that, that's, I don't know. I guess that's kind of the basic idea. I don't know, we don't have to go too far into that. I mean, we've kind of got the idea of what happened here in this episode. Terrible things were done to this group, this tribe, this village, and as a result, terrible things happened to the other people because of the curse. And so, pretty much what happened there. And then we have a mention of a few other things where they're trying to determine what happened here. One thing was psychic connections. And one thing that comes to mind for me when I think of that particular term really does remind me of something to along the lines of twins. There's all these stories over the years that twins have this this connection. They have they can feel other they can feel pain or or joy or whatever. They can sense when something bad might happen. I mean there's I've heard dozens of those kind of stories on television shows, on you know different different things like that. And so that and then there's things such as um how I met your mother, who I'm a big fan of uh, all the time, probably once every three, four episodes, Lily and Marshall have a psychic conversation. Sometimes Ted has had those with different girlfriends and things where they just look at each other and they're talking, which is pretty funny. And there's a couple other things mentioned um, as well there. But one thing I want to get to before I, th- I forgot about it, um, the bugs. The bugs reminded me of some of the, the plagues of Egypt that are discussed in Exodus in the Bible. 
Uh, maybe you've seen the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt or even that first Mummy movie. Um, kind of dealt with some of those. Um, there were ten of them. They ranged from frogs and boils to locust to death of your firstborn. There's all sorts of different ones, but definitely like the locust. Um, the idea of like a swarm of bugs coming and eating your crops definitely is bad news. And so that did kind of remind me of that too. I, I didn't want to didn't want to forget about that. So I'm gonna go ahead and mention that here before we got too far along in our folklore mythology section. But yeah, I definitely think the, the that that plague is a good one to to throw in there as a reference, especially related to the bugs. All right. Well, another thing they mentioned was telepaths, and I guess that kind of goes along with my idea of uh, the psychic connection between Marshall and Lily on how much your mother they can talk to one another, um, or someone like uh, Xavier on the X Men who can read minds and can control people. Um, definitely the idea of a telepath and interesting stuff there. But anyway, there was one more they mentioned, and I know this is a, a name for a, a group of people. That's in different movies and, and television shows and things. And they mentioned elementals. And apparently uh, the idea of an elemental or this type of mythological person first came about in like around the 16th century. And some of the ones I saw in some of my research were gnomes or earth elementals, gudines or nymphs or water elementals, sylphs or air elementals, and salamanders or fire elementals. And so that also kind of reminded me of... Uh, I haven't watched a lot of it. I've seen the movie and a little bit of a few of the episodes of The Last Airbender slash Avatar. Um, how there were different people who were waterbenders and firebenders and earthbenders or whatever they were called. I'm, I'm not super up to date on all that stuff, but I have watched a few of the episodes and watched the movie. Kind of reminded me of that. Um, and I can also see how elementals could be related to different um, nature-based type religious ideas. Um, I could I could see how that would be possibly. Um, one thing too I remember seeing this was I'm, I'm a big fan of movies so I, I reference movies quite a bit. Was in the Chronicles of Riddick, the, the second of the Riddick movies, um, when there was plans for a third one. Last I heard, Dame Judy Dench plays a character of Arion or something like that, and she is an elemental. And I guess she's an air elemental because she kind of turns to air and floats around a little bit. <laughs> I may be wrong about that, but I, I think that would be the case. But yeah, I, I actually enjoyed those two movies that have been out so far, and I think one thing about those, especially the second one, it was kind of convoluted. There's so much going on. I think they could have simplified that story a little bit and made that a little bit better of a movie, but I still enjoyed it. I always like it when people can create a whole new world or universe, um, languages and ships and civilizations and worlds and all that stuff. I think that's awesome. I'm like, you have great an imagination, but sometimes it gets a little too far away, carried away with that stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, I guess we're going to move on from our folklore mythology section with that, and we're going to move over into Driver Picks the Music. Driver Picks the Music. All right, well, as we've mentioned before, I do have the Supernatural, the official companion, season one by Nicholas Knight. And he does give us the um, the rundown of the songs that were featured in the episode. And three of the songs featured this week were some of those we've mentioned before that really aren't from real popular musicians, but apparently from some of the different music services that are out there when TV shows and people need um, music for their episodes. So the three of those will run down real fast, and then we'll get into the... The two that I guess really matter. <laughs> I got more bills than I got paid by Black Toast Music. Poke in the butt by Extreme Music. Medusa by Master Source. All right, we're going to get into the two 
that you're probably a little more familiar with, and that, of course, would be Rock of Ages by Death Leopard. And I feel like we've already had that in one of our episodes before. Maybe I'm wrong, but I really think we did. Yeah, we did, actually. I I've, was just flipping back through. That was featured also in Bloody Mary. We've talked about Death Leopard. We talked about the one-armed drummer. We talked about the CD or album of Hysteria, and there was lots of good music on there. And so I guess we're going to leave it at that. Um, and then also from the Scorpions, um, I featured their song, No One Like You. Now the Scorpions, um, this actually was on their album Blackout from 1982. And it features several of their songs, obviously. Uh, it's an album. But it's nine of their songs were featured on that particular album. No One Like You was the third track on side one back in the days of the old albums. And um, if you're not familiar with the Scorpions as a band in general, they were a German heavy metal band from back in the 70s and 80s. Actually, up until 2010, up until January 24, 2010, so almost one year ago, um, they actually finally retired after 46 years of performing. Me personally, I was only really familiar with them in the early 80s. I <laughs> didn't realize they were still around. Um until here recently. So that's actually interesting to me. Rock You Like a Hurricane, personally, is the one I know as a kid. And I remember the music videos for and stuff like that. But but that wasn't until 1984 and the release of Love at First Sting, where Rock You Like a Hurricane became big. Thanks to MTV, um, back when there actually was music on music television. Who would have thunk it? All right, well, I guess that's going to end up our driver picks and music section. We're going into our brief feedback section that's going to pretty much wrap up this episode of the supernatural cast but stick around after our feedback section we'll have a way you can get in contact with us we'll tell you about that and then close out the episode like we like to do we're going to have our dean quote of the week so stick around for that supernatural cast feedback all right well, we'll start over on Twitter, as we like to do, and we want to thank everybody who's given us Follow Fridays, and there's been several of you guys that do that quite often, such as at I am K Gruber four at Blue Basia, and there's several others that either gave us one or more <laughs> Follow Fridays um, throughout the last like month or so at Wheezy O two at Alba Basil at Gil underscore Grundy at iHeartJensenA, at my SPN site DK, at Ajita SPN, that's A-G-I-T-A SPN. Um, several of these people definitely did that more than once. Thanks again to me. I definitely appreciate that. And that was pretty much most of the, the things we've had interacting over there. I've had a few people, you know, it's Follow Friday, it's not sending back, you know, thanks, Happy New Year, whatever. And a few people responded back to those, you know, thanks, hon, or you're welcome, or whatever. So definitely appreciate the interactions over there on Twitter. And then, too, we do have the people, a few of you, have found our Facebook page. And definitely appreciate the input there. Definitely encourages me to try to, to work on the episodes when it's been a long time and I haven't quite gotten around to it. And people are like, hey, we're looking for a new episode. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I need to work on that. Oh. So uh, definitely want to appreciate um, you guys for checking out the Supernatural Cast Facebook page. And I appreciate to Dwayne, who said, hope everything's going well with you in the new year. Looking forward to your next episode. Need to fix smiley face. And then Shannon liked that as well. And so I am sorry again <laughs> that it's taken so long. But I do appreciate you guys listening and interacting with us in that way. And uh, definitely input 
can keep the podcast going a little bit quicker probably um <laughs> but yeah i definitely appreciate that i don't have any emails to get into or voicemails or whatever but I do want to go ahead and tell you how you can contact us so you can be part of the next episode. Definitely find us on Twitter, and we mention this every time. We are Supernatra Cast. No, it's lame, but there is a letter, a 14 letter um, limit there on Twitter, so we don't have the space to put in Supernatural Cast. So, Supernatural Cast it is. There, you can also find us on Facebook. And uh, eventually, if we get enough people to like us, we can have a, a, a nice little name of our page. But currently, uh, there's only nine of us there. So you can search for Supernatural Cast on Facebook. You can find us. Um, Two, you can search for us on, on iTunes. Um, I know that's kind of a basic idea, but you know, not everybody listens to um, podcasts on iTunes. So I definitely will throw that out there. You can go to our podcast webpage, and that's supernaturalcast.com. And that's going to have information about our show. It's going to have all the information I'm just giving you here is there. If you forget it, if you didn't catch it or whatever, it has all that there. Um, you can call in to us as well. It's 203-74-SUPER. That's 203-747-8737. Also, don't forget to email us at mail at supernaturalcast.com. And so we'd definitely love to hear from you, whether it be a tweet or a Facebook message, a call, an email. Google Plus, you can find us there too. Whatever way you'd like to get in contact with the show, we'd love to have it. As we look forward to next episode, and I was going to say next week's episode, and hopefully it will be, but um, <laughs> haven't been very good about that yet. Maybe that should be my New, New Year's revolution. My New Year's revolution. The next episode is Home. And if you're familiar with Home, definitely have some interesting things going on there in that episode. Anyway, we're going to move on from here into our last little segment of the show, and that's going to be the Dean Quote of the Week, and um, then we're going to play out our little outro music. So, from the Supernatural cast, I'm Jimmy in Georgia. Peace. It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. You know, we could get day jobs once in a while. Hunting's our day job, and the pay is crap. Yeah, but hustling pool, credit card scams, it's not the most honest thing in the world, Dean. Well, let's see, honest, fun and easy. It's no contest. Besides, we're good at it. It's what we were raised to do. Yeah, well, how we were raised was jacked. Yeah, says you.